Hi, and welcome to Chaos Crowd, where we share how to create authentic leaders and high-performing teams. I'm your host, Gerald Bonner, co-founder and managing director of Crowling Chaos, a management consulting firm that focuses on being a catalyst for authentic leadership and high-performing teams. This is a special edition of Chaos Corral. Today, I'm with uh, Cara Valentino, who is the Racial Justice and Equity Program Manager at RTI International. This is a special show because we wanted to uh, have something different for you. And we're here to talk about uh, social justice and equity in the marketplace. So welcome to the show, Cara. Please tell the audience a little bit about yourself and your background. Thanks so much, Gerald. So I'm a certified diversity professional. I've been at RTI International for about 10 years now. I am also one of the founding members of their Black Employee Resource Group. And employee resource groups are affinity groups or business resource groups that organizations can form so that there are affinity and community opportunities in the workplace for the different identity populations that make up our workforce. I am also an ally trainer I brought white ally training to RTI, as well as training on recognizing and avoiding microaggressions, and also brought the open forms on race to the workplace to RTI several years before our racial reckoning last summer when many organizations chose to do so. So I'm really happy to be here, Gerald, to talk about some of the work we're doing at RTI. Uh, and we're happy to have you because I think y'all are doing great work. Um, before we dig deeper into, the, um, into your story and everything, can you tell us what you mean by infinity, whatever that phrase was? Sure, affinity. Affinity, okay. So employee resource groups or business resource groups are opportunities for different identity populations, whether by race or by gender, or for example, for, the, for veterans or for working parents. These are affinity groups that allow different identity populations to come together around their particular affinity and to have a sense of community in the workplace as well as find a sense of belonging because diversity, equity, and inclusion is now often including belonging because that's such a core need of members of our workforce to feel like they have a sense of community in the workplace where they can bring their whole selves to work and also contribute more powerfully to innovation and to productivity and also helps uh, engagement as well. Well, I'm really glad you enlightened us on that because I had no real idea what that meant. So I appreciate you going a little bit deeper and expanding that. So let's go ahead and can you tell us how RTI, you know, got started on this road to have you in the position you're in? Absolutely. RTI International, which is a nonprofit international research organization that is dedicated to improving the human condition and also solving critical social and scientific problems. And so in the process of creating this position, because RTI is a mission and value-centered organization, one of its core values is respect for the individual. And given this value, RTI partnered with the Black Employee Resource Group that I talked about earlier to inform its path forward during last year's time of racial reckoning on the national stage in creating the Racial Justice and Equity Program, which is the program that I run at RTI, was a natural outcome of that partnership. And Jarrell, I think you also asked about RTI's decision to choose me to run that program. Well, I think that decision was a natural one, given my passion, my expertise, my thought leadership, and my willingness to help RTI understand the impacts of racism and how it takes our collective humanity. 
And my deep desire to help RTI in its mission to improve the human condition by reclaiming our community made me a natural fit for this position. Well, I think they really went out and uh, into a leadership role and, you know, started, took a, a step before most other people uh, and companies even were having this. If I recall, as we were preparing for this interview, you said they've been doing this for like 10 years now, right? Yes. And I think it's important to, to tell the listeners that RTI was not a newcomer to the diversity, equity, and inclusion game. It's been almost a decade that RTI has had its D&I journey and has had their ERG program active for several years prior to last year and comprises of almost a dozen different employee resource groups across many different identity populations and two of which are, are have international chapters as well. So we've been on this journey for a while. Wow, that's um, pretty spectacular when you think about when you say 10 years and you know most people can't even remember what they were doing 10 years ago and here you all are out there doing this to have a 10 year track record. That's that's really, and I mean, 10 years ago, we're talking 2010 almost, and that's pretty amazing. So where does one get started? I mean, you know, if whether you're a small company or medium-sized company without the resources like an RTI or an IBM or Cisco, where does one get started? Sure, I think the most important place to get started is to know what you're going to change before you get started. We have to know where we are and look in the mirror and understand that individual change versus systemic change are two different dimensions of change that is required in this space. So what RTI did in terms of its scientific process to examine our data and determine our baseline because we needed to know where we were in terms of racial justice and equity before we started our work, it had two components. One was to examine our demographic data. So we pulled our own HR data in terms of leadership ranks and salary grade, distribution, promotion percentages, key talent designations, really look at where we were with our data and understand that this is a longer term commitment. But you asked also what smaller organizations could do. And so what smaller companies can do, given the budgetary constraints of smaller organizations, is to again, understanding the different dimensions of individual versus systemic change for individual change to examine oneself and really look at ourselves in the mirror is to take Harvard's free implicit association test for race. They have multiple dimensions on their, their free implicit association site, but it's a short free assessment that helps us to uncover our own unconscious bias, which is what produces the disparities that we see in our own numbers. Small businesses can also examine their own demographic data. What RTI ended up doing was taking the route of having an external consultant do an assessment for us. So we did an internal assessment. We did a racial equity survey to gather quantitative and qualitative data. We had an external uh, consultant come to help us assess our policies, procedures, and practices to produce a roadmap for change. Smaller businesses can do that on a smaller scale by using raceforward.org's free tool. They have a free racial equity impact assessment tool that smaller businesses can use. And of course, smaller businesses have access to their own data. What is super important is to establish a starting point, understand what the baseline is before starting to do the work. Because Jarrell, what happens so often is that companies say, we want to take action right away. We wanna move the needle. But when action is started before understanding where that needle is, 
how does one effectively measure the impact of that work and understand how far should that needle move? And did it move in a direction that is producing the expected impact? I'm really glad you said that because culture, regardless of which aspect of a company culture you're looking at, and I think what you're we're talking about today of the racial equity and justice and fairness and across the board is if you have if you promote a, a message externally to future candidates that you bring on board saying this is what it's like and you haven't corrected the internal variances you're going to have just like the body the body immune system says oh here's a virus i'm going to kick it out you're going to have internal people that are like why is this person acting this way when internally the organization is not aligned and that person will feel rejected and probably walk out the door because they'll say, you said this was a fair and had good racial equity and um, equality and I don't see that, so I'm gone. Is that correct? Yes, and, and let me just add that part of that data that you're talking about and that, that situation that you're describing should be addressed initially by having conversations with your employees. Right. This is where the open forums on race in the workplace that I brought to RTI can be smaller scaled and right sized for smaller organizations. But we have to talk to people. We have to understand not just the quantitative data, the numbers that we have in our demographics, but also the qualitative data. So assessment tools can get at that, but also talk to your employees. We have to be sitting and having conversations about race. And here's why, you know, Jerrell, there's data from Qualco, which used to be called the Center for Talent Innovation. They're mm -hmm. a respected leader in the area of gathering data on racial tensions in the workplace. They have a report from a couple of years ago that has some stunning figures. One of them is that Black employees who say that it's not acceptable for companies to speak out about experiences of racial bias are more than three times as likely to feel that they can't bring their whole selves to work and 13 times likely to be disengaged. And we know that this harms the bottom line because when folks don't bring their whole self to work and they're not engaged, we're losing out on productivity. We're losing out on innovation. We're losing out on all of the magnificence that these employees can bring to our workplace. And so we wanna make sure we're giving space to talk about what is happening in the workplace. Yeah, that's, um, I'm, I'm starting to hear uh, some signals about that whole conversation because a, a, good, um, a good associate of ours, Donald Thompson and I had a conversation and he talked about the villain in the room scenario and syndrome. And that's another part of the problem is that for people to be comfortable, they can't feel like they're the villains when they really had nothing to do with it. Um, or they just have to be more comfortable with knowing that they're not being talked about even though they're not the, you know, they shouldn't get, how do they deal with that feeling when it's not really directly impact, uh, directly focusing on that? Would you, would you agree with that? Well, let me give you the facts about that. So okay. there, there are, there are multiple frameworks to use to guide how to have conversations on race in the workplace. However, none of these guides can control how people will feel. They can only function as norms and guardrails for how to have these conversations. Some of the best norms that these frameworks provide are everyone listens with compassion. We listen non-judgmentally. We respect where people are on their racial justice and awareness journey. We listen without judgment. There's just so many things that, that can be done in terms of talking about race in the workplace that 
can make the spaces brave, not always safe. Mm-hmm. And, and the reason why we can have brave spaces and not safe spaces, Gerald, is because we can't ever control how people will feel, but mm-hmm. we can ask people to be willing to have difficult conversations and ask leaders to provide the psychological safety because it's leaders in that space that will provide that, that allow these conversations to happen. And one of the reasons why America is so illiterate about talking about race is because we don't do it. And the only way to get better at it is to actually do it. And I don't know that being comfortable is the goal. I think being willing and compassionate and open-mindedness are our better goals. And most importantly is to listen to understand and not to try and change how people feel. If we all just take the time to understand each other and why it's important to understand each other, that's what we brings us closer to our humanity, our collective humanity that's being so deeply harmed by allowing racism to exist. I totally agree with you on the being uncomfortable part because one of my favorite quotes is by uh, Billy Fitzgerald, who's a former coach out West in the high school uh, area. And he once said, a good coach is going to make you feel uncomfortable because that's where the learning takes place. So I totally agree with you on that. And you, you know, you got to be able to confront your vulnerability and, and overcome it because that's where courage is, is built. Okay. So a company wants to go down this road. They start looking at some of the free resources that you mentioned, and I'll put into the notes so people can search for them. Somebody might say, well, I don't have the budget for this, or I don't have the time. What is the cost of, of doing nothing versus doing something? Well, here's one fact that might be interesting to talk about. That same Coqual report that I talked about easing racial tensions in the workplace, they say that Black employees who aren't allowed to talk about experiences of racial bias at work or to talk about race in the workplace are nearly three times as likely to leave their companies within the year. And we all know that the cost of of turnover is is exorbitant, right? When you you lose not just the the worker and their company knowledge, but the cost of hiring is exorbitant, right? And so that's already um, a huge cost of doing nothing. And there's also, again, because there are free tools to use, right? So the cost of doing nothing can still be, doing something is still free for smaller organizations and also larger organizations can start with the free tools as well. The bottom line that gets impacted, Gerald, is productivity, turnover, innovation, problem solving. But here's also something that can't be quantified in dollars. And this is the value of corporate responsibility and improving our humanity. That has no dollar value. Mm. That, that's You're kind of talking about the goodwill of a company's brand, right? Absolutely. So what can the listener that's sitting at home hearing you talk do for themselves individually right now? Well, last year was a racial reckoning for our nation. And we learned that systemic racism exists in our nation. And if it exists in our nation, then we've also learned that it exists in our state here in North Carolina. And if it exists in North Carolina, it's reasonable to assume that it exists here in the city of Durham, where I'm located and where RTI is located. And if it exists in the city of Durham, then it's reasonable to assume that it exists in the organizations in Durham of which RTI is a part. So that means all organizations, regardless of which state or city they live in, we know it exists in us. So what we can do right now is let's look in the mirror. Let's establish where we are so we know what baseline we are going to measure any forward movement from. And it starts by looking in the mirror. 
It starts by individually taking the Harvard Implicit Association test and then by looking at our organizations, whether we use the free tools from raceforward.org or whether we hire external consultants to assist us if we are a larger organization. But it starts with us, Gerald. We have to do this together. It's up to us to reclaim our humanity by eliminating racism, but it starts with us. And so let's start now, today. Let's mm -hmm. do this together. Let me ask you something. If I wanted to speak to somebody in my network that's African-American, how would I approach that conversation? How would I start that conversation and say, I want to have, I want to learn more? How would that person do that? So that's not the call to action I'm recommending. I don't recommend that people go to their African-American or Black colleagues to learn how to assess their own bias or to learn how to assess their organizations. My recommendation is to start with the Harvard Implicit Association test to examine our own biases. And that can be done in the privacy of your own home because the results are often startling. And it's our unconscious bias that is producing the systemic racism that we have in place right now in our organizations. And then we examine our organizations either through tools or through having a consultant assist us with assessing our policies, procedures, and practices. This idea that we need to ask our African-American, Black, or Brown colleagues to educate us about racial justice and equity, I think is a mistaken one. I think mm -hmm. we need to do our, our, our research on our own. Okay. And so make sure you do your, your personal research first and you're comfortable and you're more stronger there and then get professional advice on how to go forward. Yes, if it depends on the organization's budget. Mm -hmm. For the small organizations that don't have the budget, it's easy enough to use the free tools that come with guidance. So the no one needs guidance on how to use that Harvard Implicit Association test. And the tools from raceforward.org are very straightforward on how to conduct an internal assessment that will produce the baseline report for organizations to understand what needs to be changed. At that point, it may be helpful to hire a consultant to help produce a roadmap for change going forward that can measure against that baseline. Mm -hmm. So whether it's a small organization or a large organization, that's the logical next step. Once an organization has created that baseline, understanding where they are in this journey and what the demographic data looks like and what their leadership ranks look like, then that's a place from which a roadmap can be created to begin to make the changes, the necessary changes to policies, procedures, and practices that have produced those inequities. Well, that's a great answer. And I appreciate you giving me the space to kind of be like a listener and say, yeah, but what if? Uh, and so the answer is don't try to eat the whole elephant in one bite, right? I mean, take it slow, take small steps, get your foundations right with your self-learning. And then go, when you feel good about your self-learning, get some guidance from a, a professional. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's, and it's, always going to have three parts. You have to know where you are. So you start with your baseline, you establish your roadmap and you do the work, and then you measure and you see how well you did. That's the whole structure behind this phrase we hear often, move the needle. We need to understand where the needle is, do the work to move the needle, and then measure and see if the needle moved. And then did we have the impact that we expected? And the impact is always that inequity is reduced based on those numbers that you start with. If the approach is not metrics driven and tied to an organization's strategy, it will not succeed. Well, I really appreciate that uh, answer. And uh, maybe we can have you back uh, on maybe a couple of months from now to talk about what individual metrics an individual can look at in the future. Because um, I really do appreciate your time and I know your time is important to you. 
So thank you so much for your time. I've learned a lot today and I'm sure the audience will as well. Uh, Karis, thank you so much for joining us today and, and helping us uh, heal the uh, nation. And thank you for having me, Gerald. You're welcome. Well, thank you for listening to the Chaos Corral. We've been speaking with Cara Valentino, Certified Diversity Professional and Racial Justice Equity Program Manager of RTI International. And we appreciate her time. I'm Gerald Bonner, Co-Founder and Managing Director of Corraling Chaos, a management consulting firm. Corraling Chaos is a catalyst for authentic leadership and high-performing teams. You can find us on the web at corralingchaos.com. That's two R's and two L's. Or you can follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter. And we hope you'll come back and join us for another one of these podcasts in the future. Thanks very much and have a wonderful day. And thank you for listening to our special.